0: These books are a collection of short, consumable essays that discuss a wide range of topics related to mental health and wellness in post-military life. Head on over to VeteranMentalHealth.com forward slash books and check them out for yourself or follow the link in the show notes. Welcome to Episode 61 of the Headspace and Timing Podcast, a show brought to you by the Change Your POV Podcast Network. Today, we're talking with Brooke Fina, a licensed clinical social worker, about the Strong Star Training Initiative, a program that trains community mental health providers in the evidence-based practices that have shown great results in treating combat-related PTSD.
1: The reason that people continue to have PTSD over time is that they never really get the opportunity to process uh, the trauma. And they never really get the opportunity to kind of uh, make sense of it over time. And the reason for that is because what happens is after people experience trauma, um, they tend to avoid a lot. And while this makes sense in the short run, I mean, this is kind of how we think and how we learn, right? If something bad happens, you're, 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 you know, in, in order to kind of, feel better in the short run, you know, don't think about it. But the, the challenge is that in the long run, it actually keeps the symptoms going.
0: Welcome to the Change Your POV Podcast Network. You're listening to Headspace and Timing, a show dedicated to breaking down the stereotypes about veteran mental health. My name is Duane France, and I'm a combat veteran of both Iraq and Afghanistan. After I retired from the Army, I took on a new mission as a clinical mental health counselor for my fellow service members. If you served in any branch of the military, you're familiar with the M2 machine gun, the 50 Cal. It's one of the most effective weapons in the military's arsenal. If the weapon's headspace and timing wasn't set right, however, it was just a huge useless chunk of metal. Veterans can be rendered inoperable if their headspace and timing isn't set correctly either. That's my goal with this show to change the way that we think and talk about veteran mental health and reduce the stigma against seeking support. Each week, we'll talk with mental health professionals, veterans, and those who support veterans, service members, and their families. We're going to have real and honest conversations about a topic that most just don't like to talk about veteran mental health. Let's jump into this week's conversation. Hey everybody, welcome back to the Headspace and Timing podcast, a show where we're trying to change the way that you think and talk about veteran mental health. Uh, If you're a longtime listener, you know that we often have guests on uh, not just to talk about maybe practitioners uh, talking about their own experience with treating veteran mental health or veterans with their own mental health journeys, but also to highlight programs that are trying to, like this show, change the way that we think and talk about veteran mental health. Uh, And that's definitely what my guest here today uh, is going to do both as a practitioner uh, and as a representative for the uh, Strong Star Training Initiative. So, uh, I'd like to welcome the audience to the show, Brooke Fina. What, well, Brooke? Welcome.
1: Thanks, Dwayne. Thanks so much for having me.
0: Absolutely. Um, I've, uh, as I think I've mentioned before, we got started. I, I have heard of Strong Star uh, for a while. Um, the the efforts that are being made in understanding. And, and researching about veteran mental health. But before we get into that, I'd like to give you an opportunity to, have, uh, to tell the audience a little bit about yourself and sort of your background.
1: Absolutely. So um, I'm a licensed clinical social worker. I have been for uh, almost 10 years here, which is kind of crazy to think about. (laughs) Um, And um, I have been a part of Strongstar for about the same time. I've been working with Strongstar for about about eight years um, and working as a part of our um, research group that um does um research studies uh on the detection prevention and and mostly treatment of uh post traumatic stress disorder with um service members and and um veterans and so um I talk a little bit more about strong star in, in just a bit but um myself I I came to the profession um, um, like most people, I was um, kind of dedicated and curious to understanding the human condition, and um, kind of fell into to social work over other disciplines for, for different reasons. Um, I com- appreciated the, the the systems perspective, the person and environment perspective, and um, then got the privilege to um, work with um, many. Um, psychologists and, and psychiatrists and others in, in various disciplines um, uh, that are a part of um, the strong star group um, so yeah I've been doing this for a while
0: so uh, so ten years and that was really about you know 2008 um, about where the current era conflict started to emerge uh, veterans started coming home or, or soldiers started coming home uh and and really uh, finding a lot more of the difficulties uh, I think I really thought I was still active duty at that time but it really started to became an issue about 2006 to 2008 uh and so emerging into the mental health field around that time what drew you to veteran mental health uh or military mental health
1: um i think i felt like many um uh health professionals do that um i've never served in the military um Uh, And I don't have family in the military, but I had this sense that I wanted to serve in the way that I could um, and um, dedicate my work to um, those who have served our country.
0: And so, and, and that's, uh, I really appreciate having clinicians on, uh, even that don't have a military background, you mm-hmm. know, uh, difference like me, I have the lived experience and then the clinical yeah. training, um, but someone who has no background, I mean, I, I have colleagues who are maybe spouses or, or even children, but but what was it like for you to essentially step in into an entirely different culture and learn that culture as you're providing um, the, the mental health services?
1: Yeah. Absolutely. Um, I, I felt, um, a sense of privilege to do that, you know, and learn from those who have, you know, privilege to learn, I should say from those who, um, have served. I mean, I think, um, particularly in my beginning years doing clinical work, I learned, I, I got the opportunity to learn so much about the military system and specifically the army system. Um, I've served as a research therapist on some of the strong stars, um, uh, large uh, randomized control trials at Fort Hood in Texas. And um, so I got, a, got to learn a lot from colleagues who have had uh, more experience with um, the military, whether they had served themselves or um, in other ways, and got to learn a lot from the patients that I worked with and got to ask a lot of questions as a part of the work. You know, um, part of PTSD work is exploring meaning-making, And understanding, you know, how not only trauma affects people when it occurs, but the the meaning that that has made or that that has um, developed over time. And so I think it's actually really good to be able to ask lots of questions when you're doing that work. (laughs)
0: <laughs> yes, uh, absolutely. And if you're working with uh, high op tempo and uh, multi deployment rotations, uh, Fort Hood is a good place to, to do it in, uh, because absolutely. as as some of the, the larger bases brag and, and even Carson here uh, in Colorado, that uh, that the units at, at Fort Hood were, you know, in and out uh, pretty significantly, all the way from the beginning to the conflicts, um, even up until now. And so it's it's definitely a place where you could get a lot of experience, and so the strong star. And so, as you had mentioned even before we started, I understood the strong star um, group, and uh, for the uh, for the audience, that's the South Texas Research Organizational Network, guiding studies on trauma and resilience. And so, uh, like any organization that's funded by the DoD and the VA, it's much easier with an acronym or mnemonic. <laughs> Uh, so that's the Strong Star Initiative, uh, but it's a research initiative uh, and it's a training initiative now. From from what you explained to me, so uh, if you could maybe talk a little bit about how Strong Star started um, and then what it is and then uh, the new developments.
1: Absolutely. So. Um Strongstar was um, came into development uh, in two thousand eight, I think it is. Um, and as you said, has been funded by DoD and VA. Um, and uh, Strongstar's primary mission over the years has been to develop research for the best possible treatments, detection and prevention of specifically combat related PTSD for active duty military, as well as recently discharged veterans. And so um, many, the, um, the, the primary uh, psychotherapy research trials at Strongstar have focused on the evidence-based treatments of prolonged exposure therapy for PTSD, as well as cognitive processing therapy for PTSD, um, and also have included other interventions for um, insomnia and nightmares um, and other ways of formatting, you know, our evidence-based treatments for PTSD. Um, but the, the reason those have been two of the um, treatments that we're focused on, especially in the inception of Strong Star, is that these are treatments that have had the most empirical support with civilians. Um, and while they've been rolled out in VA and they've been rolled out in DOD, um, earlier than Strongstar's, um, inception or in the beginning of Strongstar's inception, um, they hadn't, there, there hadn't been large, um, uh, randomized clinical trials with service members specifically. So under the direction of, um, Dr. Alan Peterson, our, our director of Strongstar, um, and UT Health Science Center San Antonio, um, that's really why Strongstar came to be, to, to really uh, uh, understand the effectiveness of these therapies from a, from a research perspective um, with, um, with service members and recently discharged veterans post 9-11.
0: And, and so that's, uh, that's very critical. Uh, of course, as a clinician myself, I'm familiar with uh, prolonged exposure and uh, cognitive processing therapy uh, and its effectiveness for PTSD. Uh, but as you had identified, you're specifically looking at combat veterans who are focused um, you know, not just on witnessing trauma or in some ways, um, uh, don't want to say perpetrating trauma or but but being involved in both ways, as well as the the complicated you know mini deployments and and traumatic mm-hmm. brain injury and things like that, and how it how it differs how p t s d differs from someone in the civilian world um from uh, traffic accidents or natural disasters and things like that and and combat veterans uh, there is a difference
1: yes. And and we're trying to understand. I think the research field, right, and those who do this work um, from a research perspective and a translational perspective into clinical practice, we're we're trying to understand that difference more through research. And so, while um, the the first large randomized control trials of um, PE and CPT with um, within StrongStar have been have been published, um, you know, we're also trying to understand. Um, uh, through, through the second generation of research work Strongstar is doing now, you know, even better t- how to, to treat and support, you know, this population combat related PTSD, um, with these treatments. Um, so we, we've identified those differences, absolutely. And we're trying to understand that better as a field. Um, and th- I think the other thing about Strongstar that's so, um, uh, well, that I've really enjoyed um, working with this group is it, it's a consortium model. So it's a consortium of researchers across um, D- DOD, VA, and other organizations and universities. So you know, people bring in their expertise, their their research expertise, and then we are able to help support them implement those those clinical trials at some of these these you know big posts and bases like Fort Hood
0: going to say that there it's not just a text i mean of course it's texas based but it's not just texas centric uh in that you have uh, collaborators and and uh, on your website now make sure that the website uh is linked in the show notes but mm-hmm. uh, uh boston university duke um university of utah um, university of virginia wake forest uh, yale it's so you have a lot of um, nationwide, a lot of collaborators that are looking at these type of problems, uh, and not just in not just uh, university, but uh, um with uh, in DC, and then the National Center for PTSD. And so there are a lot of people looking at this situation. Um, and Strong Star is, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, a clearinghouse or a, a aggregator for a lot of this research.
1: Say aggregator is probably a, a good word. Aggregator and implementer, um, you know, and um, uh, kind of a system to help support and collaborate and and have researchers, you know, the experts in the country doing this work, you know, have them be able to collaborate through StrongStar.
0: And so, and you'd mentioned that there have been some uh, research that has been um, published. How has this been, I guess, uh, how, how have the veterans reacted to this? The veterans that are taking part of these programs, um, how, how are you, uh, seeing this impacting the individual veterans?
1: Um, how, like the, the treatment or the research or what's been
0: public? Right. The, the program and the research. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Um, you know, I, I, I don't actually know, um, uh, how individuals have responded, um, you know, we uh, one of the uh, things that was um, really uh, exciting and meaningful is um, after um, the uh, prolonged exposure therapy uh, clinical trial at Fort Hood was published. Um, you know, lots of of course media outlets were asking questions, and um, one of my previous patients um, uh, decided to um, to, to work with us and and talk with the folks in the media about his experience with P.E. And um, he had a a really good experience of that treatment really impacting his life and and changing things for the good. And so, um, you know, I've heard certainly one off stories like that, but I don't know the kind of general response. You know, I think it's my hope and our hope that all of this chips away at the puzzle of PTSD um, so that we can get better um, care to to our our um, service members and and veterans, and that brings us to our the training initiative as well, which I can speak to.
0: Right, and so and that was uh, in in again research and and obviously having de-identified information and across from all of these different uh, sources in and, and not having really uh, the direct contact with veterans. Then StrongStar is very much focused on providing clinicians the information that we know this is what works and this is how to do what works with veterans. Uh, and that's where the, the training initiative is developed. Is that correct?
1: Absolutely. Yes. You spot on. Um, so, you know, I think, you know, so we talked, we, we talked about what strong star is and, and the research mission of strong star. And so, um, As you know, Duane, um there's lots of different ways to then get those results and that research, right, out into um public health. And so um some of the primary ways, of course, is publications, right? And presentations at national national conferences, um, you know, media to help get the word out of what we know is working best. Um, and then of course there's also training and that's really where the strong star training initiative was born is thinking about two things. One is, um, you know, we, we have these treatments that, um, are evidence-based that are effective for, um, veterans and service members. And, um, And at the same time, um, you know, we're seeing some shift in the way um, behavioral health care is provided in our country, right? So shifting um, to more community-based groups, you know, and and, and I think in part that is, you know, some of the legislation like the Veterans Choice Program and what have you, and um, there's probably another myriad of factors that has, you know... um, Kind of transitioned some of the care into the community. Simultaneously, there's this—you um, uh, know—if if you don't work as part of VA and DoD, sometimes there's a there's a limited access to to, to training. Um, it's um, very localized. It's um, can be expensive, right? It can take time away from from work, and so. You know, the Strong Start Training Initiative is really about trying to connect these dots through this training mission of training, um, you know, our boots on the ground clinicians in the treatments we know are most effective with this group.
0: And, and you're exactly right. Seeing that shift, and I am a strong proponent of collaborating with the VA. Um, there, mm-hmm. This isn't a competitive um, uh, thing at all. Uh, my organization, we're a large-scale outpatient, um, uh, yeah, a large-scale outpatient mental health counseling agency, but we know that we can't provide the the wide range of support that the VA can. So, working collaboratively rather than working, you know, in competition and and as it's it's being seen right now. But then, along with that that limited access to training, you know, what I've seen and I'm sure you've seen is there are a lot of community providers that want to help but they're not culturally competent when it comes to veteran mental health you know we've seen the rand study i I think it was back in 2013 and a recent one that was just released um, about uh, um, community providers in new york state um, that there's a need for community providers to develop cultural competence and understanding to to address that difference that you mentioned earlier, you know they may be very good clinicians when it comes to trauma, but the significant trauma of you know repeated deployments and repeated trauma and traumatic brain injury and substance abuse and and all the other things that that pile on top of it.
1: Mm-hmm. Absolutely, um, and so so our strong start training initiative. Then we we have um, several programs or a few programs underway, um, within the, uh, Strong Star training initiative. So our, our first program started, uh, it was last June and, um, we were, um, funded by, um, Texas Veterans Family Alliance state funding, as well as the Bob Woodruff Foundation to, um, train providers in Texas, in specifically either prolonged exposure therapy or cognitive processing therapy. So focusing our training, uh, mission on the evidence-based treatments for, for PTSD that we, you know, translating basically the work of the strong star research into training so that it could be translated then into practice and, um, included in that to speak to your point, Dwayne, is this, um, Focus on increasing military cultural competence through the training program. You know, when we talk about our, I can, I can explain to you the, the training model that we use, but, you know, we really try to infuse that with what we know and learn about military culture.
0: And, and I think, of course, as I mentioned, it's, it's very important. Um, this isn't something, especially veteran mental health across the country, it's not something that one organization, including the VA or the DOD, is going to be able to do by itself. Uh, so how have you seen the training received um, by the clinicians or by the communities as you have um, been in, implementing it over the last year?
2: So um,
1: it's been well-received, and part of our, um, we call them, Um, learning communities. Part of our learning community model, and I'll I'll explain what that means in just a second, is evaluation. And we're just starting to get our six-month evaluations in from our Texas program. So, we're really excited to look at those and see, you know, what what we've done well, (laughs) that's well-received, and, you know, what are our um, areas for improvement as well, like any program, new program. Um, But um, it's been incredible. Um, as I'm, I'm our Strong Star Training Initiatives Director of Training, I'm the one who gets the opportunity to conduct the prolonged exposure therapy trainings. Um, and it has just been um, really exciting and um, uh, really a, a joy to train these clinicians who want to um, serve this community of Um, of people as well veterans and and service members
0: so if you have and and you'd mentioned the learning communities um, Mm -hmm. what generally uh, what makes up a learning community are these community clinicians that have previously worked with veterans that have no work with veterans yeah what constitutes that
1: we get a mix we definitely have gotten a mix of um you know we we See a, a, a spectrum of those who have either, you know, served themselves and are now clinicians out in the world. Those who, like my background, right, didn't have um, much exposure to um, uh, military populations. Um, so, so that's been really interesting. And I think the, um, clinicians absolutely learn from each other in this learning community as well. But the way it's set up for us is, um, we, um, have, so, so I'll just talk, I'll speak to our Texas program first. So again, we launched last summer, that would have been, you know, June, July of 2017 and, um, uh, kind of spread the word about this opportunity for training. And so there was an application process. And um, we included folks, clinicians, that is, who either were already seeing um, veterans or service members as a part of their practice, or um, are also um, kind of training um, the, the workforce who will likely be working with these folks in the future and have an interest in working with with military folks, uh, in the, in the future. And so, um, so clinicians apply to the program and then once accepted, um, the learning, uh, community includes some, some pre-training. Um, so we do that through webinars mostly. And the idea here is really to, um, kind of get some, um, uh, standard learning in about trauma and PTSD assessment um, and military cultural competence so that we can hit the ground running in our two-day training. And so that's our in-person training. So in Texas, for example, we had um, six trainings in, in person that were two days. You got trained in as a clinician, either prolonged exposure therapy or cognitive processing therapy and so those trainings consist of um uh didactic material right role plays you know all the things that that we know we we do clinical trainings with and um those trainings were also um developed by um the the creators of the treatments respectively um and then once the clinician completes the in person two day training you know they get back to their their office their work and um, they start to um, assess patients to, you know, uh, start the evidence-based treatment with PTSD. And then they're involved in what we call weekly phone consultation, where they, along with um, several other people, um, are uh, part of these phone consultation, weekly phone consultation, where we're talking about cases and we're providing feedback even after the training, right, through this phone consultation on specific cases. Um, We include uh, six months of that, as well as six months of advanced clinical training through webinars, so, you know, thinking about PTSD and the intersection of military culture, you know, some of the um, advanced training webinars we've had in the past are things on, you know, traumatic loss or moral injury or um, insomnia and nightmares Um, those things that we know really touch this population Um, we also include there's a lot of there's a lot of moving pieces but we also include monthly organizational consultation so we're working with the organizations or if an individual is in private practice to think about how can the organization help support um these providers seeing, um, veterans and service members with PTSD and support, you know, the weekly consultation that they're participating in and the webinars and what have you. And then we, we've done some evaluation pre-training and, and we're doing that post-training and consultation.
0: And so, and there is a, an important point that you had mentioned earlier that for community providers, uh, like myself and my organization, Um, the the training is not always readily available because of cost. Um, I I do know that there is going to be a CPT workshop coming here to Colorado Springs, um, creating a a community here, um, and it's at no cost to the clinicians. Is that correct?
1: At our national program, which is what you're referring to, um, that launched shortly after the Texas one that I'm explaining, um, Bob Woodruff foundation has generalist generously supported that program. And so we're able to provide training in CPT and PE in specific markets like Colorado um, at a scholarship cost of three hundred dollars mm-hmm. for training. So right. yeah, so so we have some cost associated with our national program, our Texas program. Um we were able to deliver training at no cost.
0: Now, that's $300 for the whole thing or $300 per clinician?
1: Um, $300 for, for the clinician. Mm-hmm. That includes the full learning community. So all those elements that I just spoke about, mm. the, the, the six months that our clinicians are with us learning both through in-person and then you know phone consultation and webinars and what have you.
0: And that's great. I mean, it's great to, to understand if if a clinician, we have a wide range of listeners. Uh, we do have some mental health providers um, who are not, I don't want to say aren't familiar with veterans, but they're working with veterans and they want to learn more about veteran mental health. They listen to the show, but we also have a, a wide range of veterans who listen to the show. And of course, we have been a uh, strong star again, as we identified earlier, is very much focused for clinicians. Um, but veterans also listen to this show and they're like, what are you talking about with <laughs> prolonged exposure and CPT and and what is this? So um, maybe for a little bit, could you give maybe a, an introductory overview of well, prolonged exposure specifically? As is that what that's what your um, training expertise is in?
1: Absolutely. So um, prolonged exposure is a um, a therapy that's been around for decades now for the treatment of PTSD. Um, And it's um, one of the treatments we have that we have the most research support for its use. So like you were saying, um, both in, in civilian population trauma, things like, um, car accidents, natural disasters, um, uh, sexual assault, uh, physical assault, as well as veteran or, or I should say combat related or deployment related traumas. And, um, there's uh, it's, it's a, It's a treatment that is time limited. So um, typically um, treatment is done in somewhere between eight and 15 sessions. Um, You know, people recover at different rates and so um, there's flexibility in that. And it's also done in an individual format. So you see the therapist one-on-one, just you and the therapist. And the idea with, With we call it PE for short, with PE is that um, the reason that people continue to have PTSD over time is that they never really get the opportunity to process uh, the trauma. And they never really get the opportunity to kind of uh, make sense of it over time. And the reason for that is because what happens is after people experience trauma, um, they tend to avoid a lot. And while this makes sense in the short run, I mean, this is kind of how we think and how we learn, right? If something bad happens, you're, you're, you're you know, in, in order to kind of feel better in the short run, you know, don't think about it. But the, the challenge is that in the long run, it actually keeps the symptoms going. Because of what I was talking about before, because if, if there's if if, um, if people avoid the content and avoid situations or places that, that remind them of those memories and thoughts, they never get the opportunity to make sense of it. So the treatment then is really about approaching and helping um, those who are experiencing PTSD to um, a- approach this content and digest it and make some, you know, kind of put it in a place of rest so it doesn't keep on coming up through PTSD symptoms. There's two ways we do that in PE. One is um, talking about the trauma with the therapist um, and also approaching situations in life that people avoid uh, as as so that they don't think about the um, traumatic event. And so we do that in the sessions. And then that also is included as um, what we call homework assignments. So we know from lots of learning, I'm sure um, those listening could appreciate, you know, thinking about some of the things that they've learned over the years that often it takes a lot of repetition and practice. And so it's the same thing for confronting this information, um, that it, it takes a lot of, you know, repetition and practice. And so uh, we have to do it outside of the session as well as inside of the session.
0: And, and that's a, it, that is that is somewhat counterintuitive to a lot of veterans, a lot of veterans I work with. And they're saying, you know, I, I don't want to think about this. And so talking about it will make me think about it more, right? You know, and, and the way I sort of explain to veterans... Is that uh, when you're first in or, or even when you haven't even, um, you know, approached it or processed, you said you're, you're in the play. You're actually in there and you're experiencing it. Um, but as you start to talk about it more, as you start to process it more, you move into the audience where you're actually looking at the, the action going on on stage, but you're separated from it in uh, that, that veterans are able to think about it without the emotional attachment component. And that's what prolonged exposure can help a veteran do is, is process it so it no longer has the emotional PTSD symptoms uh, associated with thinking about the incidents.
1: Yeah, I think that's a really nice way of, of saying it, and I, I really appreciate the counterintuitiveness of approaching rather than avoiding painful content. And, you know, in in PE, like other evidence based treatments for PTSD, it's not that we are, you know, uh, voiding people of emotions, right? Um, Many, many emotions remain. The idea is that over time and over the work of PE, the relationship to the memory changes. And so when it does come up or when people do think about it, it's not so overwhelming or as distressing as it was before they start.
0: And I like that idea of the relationship to the memory changing. The memory is still there. And this is another thing that I often hear from veterans, especially when it comes to traumatic loss. If they've lost a brother, they've lost a sister or mm-hmm. someone they served with, they say, I can't stop feeling bad about this because if I do stop feeling bad about this, then that means they're not important to me. And there's a lot of challenging these beliefs, but people are holding on to to pain and holding on to trauma uh, because they feel as though... Um, you know, the other person or the situation isn't important or wouldn't be important to them. Um, and so that idea of changing relation to that, yes, you're still important. They're still important to you in, in you know, that situation, but it doesn't have to be painful and traumatic either.
1: Absolutely. I, and I think that that is, um, an example of the, the type of trauma that often, and at least in my experience doing this work, that, that many of those who've served experience that that traumatic loss, right? Um, And how do you make sense of that? It's really, really painful and hard to do. And these treatments help people again to to be able to make sense of it and put it in a place of rest so that it's not interfering or overwhelming their life through these PTSD symptoms.
0: The other piece, though, to prolonged exposure is it has to be done in a in a very particular way um, in and you know, there are certain steps, there are certain ways to do it. Uh, because if the veteran is just talking to his cousin over and over and over again about that, that's not pro- that's that's being exposed to it without the the understanding the processing. Is that correct?
1: Absolutely. I think the processing piece, which is what you're getting at kind of making sense or making meaning of it is really, we understand that to be really important to the treatment. And that's the other piece that, that um, tends to keep PTSD alive for people is that after trauma, people develop really unhelpful um, and and even unrealistic ways of looking at things in the world Um, because trauma really shakes people's experience and, you know how they understand the world, and so not only is it important to, you know, um, engage with the content, but also really understand what are the ways that someone is thinking about it that's kind of keeping them, um, keeping keeping those symptoms going, and considering are there other ways to understand or make meaning of this experience, and.
0: Oh, go ahead. No, so it's not just telling your story over and over again. I mean, that's, again, I'm I'm trying to do a myth busting a little because a lot of veterans yeah. like all I'm going to do is just sit here, you know, and, and tell it over and over again. And that's not the only part of it. It's first and then you're actually in the audience, like I said, and you say, "Okay, what does this mean to you? You know, is the way you're looking at this? Is this correct? Is this the way you want to? Does it make you feel good? Does it make you feel bad? So it's not just telling your story over and over again, but really analyzing how you react to that story in the current moment, um, which really helps make that separation.
1: Yeah, definitely. Absolutely.
0: Yeah. And so, uh, as these trainings have have come on um, it, with with the organizations there in Texas, um, are you starting to see some benefit coming back from that? Um,
1: absolutely. I mean, again, I've, I've spoken a little to my experience doing these trainings and just the um, energy of these providers and the um, their ability to um, just do this work, this incredible, this, this, you know, at times challenging work, um, and to do it so well. So we have the opportunity to hear, you know, about lots of cases and, and feedback through these, um, consultation phone calls. And so hearing from our providers and their pay and hearing of their patients, you know, treatment and, and how they're, um, getting better has been, um, definitely a part of the program.
0: And so uh, what does it look like, uh, going forward? You said that just recently you've started to, uh, branch out into specific locations for a national program for the training initiative, but you also mentioned that, uh, Strong Star Consortium is really sort of in the second phase of a, a group of research. So, um, it appears from the outside, from outside of Texas very specifically, that Strongstar is starting to become uh, a larger presence nationally. I've started to hear about it almost a year, maybe a year and a half ago, um, Mm -hmm. as I'm trying to pay attention to it, but even my colleagues and clinicians, we've been really talking about the last six months. So what does it look like for the future?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So, um, so as I as I talked about the Strongstar Training Initiative, and we had launched with our Texas program um, about I think four months after after that, we um, launched our national program, and were able to um, do these learning communities that include these you know the the two day. In-person training in, in various cities and states across the country. So that's ongoing right now. We have upcoming um, a training in um, in Colorado Springs, like you said. We have an upcoming training in PE in San Antonio, um, and we have had um, trainings as part of our national program in in Florida, in New York. Um, So uh, in Chicago, Uh, so so, um, we're definitely um, looking to be able to train folks that are not in Texas as well. Um, So that's one piece. The other piece is that um, we are hoping to train again in Texas in um, crisis response planning for uh, suicide prevention. So that is a um, one session evidence based um, uh, treatment intervention to help reduce uh, suicide risk among um, people. And so that's something that we have in the works that we hope to be able to do as well um, uh, starting this summer
0: and And again, as a community clinician, um, I, I see this as an enormous benefit. Uh, to help bridge that gap between, um, you know, the resources, obviously, that maybe the DOD and the VA have um – but especially regarding some outpatient uh, general outpatient therapies, um, the VA can be overwhelmed in certain areas. In other areas, um, the the services are, are widely available. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so it's it's really good to hear that the Strongstar training initiative very specifically is going to be uh, branching out and providing these treatment to clinicians.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, and um, and strongstar itself, um, is continuing to do um, psychotherapy research uh, both at Fort Hood and other locations including um, uh, Brook Army Medical Center. Um, one of our uh, current studies going on is a um, intensive outpatient model of PE prolonged exposure therapy. So uh, conducting the treatment, um, in, in three weeks. So 15 sessions and, um, and, and doing that daily. Um, so that's one arm of the study compared to, um, daily three week treatment that also includes some other components that we think are really important for treating, um, uh, those who are in the military. So, um, working on top three traumas to be able to um, work on various types of trauma that, that people experience, um, to include lots of touch points with a therapist team um, during the day when they're in the intensive outpatient program. So that's currently underway.
0: Now, if a community, for example, um, I know, um, of, of a group of clinicians, maybe in Orlando that would be interested in learning more about, um, bringing or, or having some strong star, um, uh, training coming, mm-hmm. or if, if there were universities that may want to be involved in the, uh, consortium on the strong star side, how can, uh, how can listeners find out more about getting involved?
1: Absolutely. So for clinicians who are interested in training or are interested in um, uh, inquiring about bringing a learning community to their um, region, um, you can come go to our website, uh, www.strongstartraining.org. Um, for those researchers and universities who are interested in collaborating with Strong Star, Um, You can also go to the website um, strongstar.org to inquire more about um, collaborative research opportunities.
0: See, and I, I see that this is uh, emerging more in the mental health community in in being collaborative. Not everybody has their own lab and their own um, small space, you know, because, uh, again, this is a this is a challenge or a problem that's larger than any of us. Uh, and if we're all sort of working within our own little walls, then we're not going to be as effective um, and so the more nodes that are added to a network, the stronger the network gets. Uh, and that's what I see Strongstar Consortium on the research side, providing a, a network framework for the research and then mm-hmm. translating that into a provider network um, in communities.
1: Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's been... Um, really engaging to be able to translate what we know from Strongstar and the cutting edge research to providers. So, um, our plan and our hope is to continue to be able to do that.
0: So uh, that's, uh, that's really great, Brooke. I, I really appreciate you taking the time today to uh, kind of uh, talk to us about Strongstar. Um, is there anything else maybe that, that I haven't asked that I don't know what I don't know uh, about Strongstar that you'd like to maybe um, tell the audience about?
1: Um I don't think so. Other, other than, um, you know, we, we talked a little bit about PE it's not the only evidence-based treatment for PTSD, of course. So, Mm -hmm. you know, for those, um, who are, are listening, who are consumers of behavioral health treatment, you know, there, there's lots of effective uh, treatments for PTSD out there. And, um, uh, the kind of the best thing to do is if you're, if you're in need of treatment to start asking, um, those about your, your options. Cause there's several options.
0: No, I, and I think that's very important. I appreciate you bringing that out is, uh, many times. And again, in my experience and a lot of the, um, the experience of my colleagues is a veteran will come in and they'll say, well, I don't know what I don't know. So therapeutize me, right. That it's just <laughs> sort of, you know, and and not to say that they don't advocate for themselves, but they, they don't know what they don't know. Um, and this, this has, I've seen this especially with medications, I'll just take whatever medications the doctor gives me, I'll just do whatever the therapist, is. and so, in, in, and I really appreciate that idea of empowering the consumer, the, the veteran mm-hmm. or the family member who's accessing these services, you have the ability to ask questions too, um, and even the responsibility, I think, in, in many ways, um, to be involved as involved in your treatment. So I think that's a really great idea.
1: Yeah. And, and we hope to help support those conversations over time through the Strong Start Strong Start Training Initiative. And you know, one of the things that um, I didn't mention is that we ha- um, have a place on our website to um, demonstrate those who've gone through and completed our, our program as a way to demonstrate those who have a certain level of training and expertise in this work. And so we hope that that, um, um can uh, be included in, in the conversation or help the, you know, overall national understanding and conversation about seeking out those treatments with um, an evidence base um, that are most effective
0: and and again that's another very critical point when it comes to veteran mental health uh is trust um with with veterans there's a level of of maybe distrust just with the process i mean you know the stigma and everything else um but just the distrust that you know what do you mean talking about it and thinking about it more will make me better it goes back to counterintuitive and so the idea of you know, them being able to go someplace and say, I can trust that these group of individuals are, you know, certified and capable and something that has been backed by evidence to be able to satisfy my needs. And I think that's great as well.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: So I really appreciate you coming on the show today. Uh, if uh, if anybody wants to maybe uh, contact you or learn anything more, is there a way uh, maybe through social media or maybe Strong Stars social media? Uh, accounts?
1: Um, We uh, do have a Facebook page um, and they could always uh, message that. Um, We also have a general inquiry as part of our, our um, strong star training initiative um, website.
0: And I'll make sure that uh, both of those are in the show notes as well. So that uh, listeners can, can go there and, and get involved So I really appreciate you coming on the show today, Brooke.
1: Thanks so much, Dwayne.
0: Absolutely. Thank you. You're listening to Headspace and Timing on the Change Your POV Podcast Network. So this episode may have sounded like it was for those mental health counselors who are listening, but Brooke and I have a great conversation about one of the particularly effective treatments for post-traumatic stress disorder, prolonged exposure. We've talked about this on the show in the past when we talked to Ted Bonar back in episode 48, and Brooke is right. It is effective in reducing the symptoms of post-traumatic stress disorder. For those of you who are veterans who are listening, this bears repeating. It may be counterintuitive to think that talking about the trauma that we witnessed and experienced can make things better, not worse, but that's actually how it happens. Talking about it does help, and if you have a clinical mental health counselor who's trained in some of these techniques, then you can get there very quickly. It's proven and it's effective. If you're interested in learning more about the technique, check it out by going to strongstartraining.org. A couple of reminders. We're giving away free books to organizational partners. This month's partner is Inner Resource Psychotherapy, and the owner of the practice is Amy Otzel, an Army veteran like me. Amy and I have had some great conversations over the past couple weeks, and we plan on having her on the show at the beginning of July. If you want to support Amy's work regarding veteran mental health and get copies of the book in the hands of veterans who need them, head over to VeteranMentalHealth.com forward slash CombatVetBook and pick up a copy. Also, another reminder, if you have an Echo device, we're on Amazon now as well. Just go to veteranmentalhealth.com forward slash Alexa to add the update to your flash briefing and you'll get daily updates about veteran mental health and wellness. And every once in a while, you could get a chance to get a free copy of the book too. Just listen daily to check it out. Next week, we're going to be talking to an author that wrote a children's book about transition and reintegration. A shout out to Tactical 16 Publishing, which you've heard recently on Jeff Adamek's show, Changing Hearts and Minds. We have one of their authors, Pam Salsby, on the show to talk about her book, Ashley's High Five for Daddy. So tune in next week, and until then, stay focused and be well. I'd like to thank the Change Your POV Podcast Network for hosting this show and highlighting the critical importance of veteran mental health. We want to hear from you. You can reach out to me via email at duane at Health.com. You can find me at Twitter at The Counseling Vet, or head on over to Facebook and look for the Change Your POV Squad. You can find the show notes for this episode and all the episodes by going to veteranmentalhealth.com or changeyourpov.com. Sign up for updates on either or both so you don't miss another episode. While you're at it, check out the other great shows on the Change Your POV podcast network the show about remembering our military history and reviving our warrior spirit, changing hearts and minds, the show about outdoor activities that us veterans love so much, Neo Fight in the Woods, the show that helps us get going at the beginning of the week, Motivation Monday, and Attack Fridays, the show that brings you actionable tips, tricks, and coachable knowledge to help you make the best of your transition. While you're checking out the other shows, drop us a review in iTunes or whatever podcast platform you're listening to. The reviews really help spread the word about what we're doing. If you're looking for the total package for all the information you need to live the life you want after leaving the military, you've found it. If you know of a buddy who's looking for the same info, share it with them so they can find it too. I want to thank Doc Todd for his permission to use his track, Not Alone, from his amazing album, Combat Medicine. Doc Todd is somebody who's trying to bring veteran mental health out of the darkness and into the light and you can get the album by going to therealdoctod.com Check it out because remember veterans you're not alone ever
2: The struggle is real Found a feast and lost a soul Eventually my drinking It got out of control There in darkness I roam Struggling to find home See suddenly Death didn't feel so alone 22 a day Destination unknown It could have been avoided. Stoned. I've triumphed over enemies, co enemies, broke out facilities that try to put an end to me, R.I.P., I'd rather grind than tranquility.